0: to kick off of the Broncos preseason opener with the Cardinals. It's Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The
1: Fan. And it is Denver Sports Tonight on this Friday night in the Mile High City. He's Jake Shapiro. I'm Will Peterson. We will roll with you for the next two hours leading you up to preseason game number one. Broncos and Cardinals kickoff of the 2023 campaign under Sean Payton. It all starts down in Glendale, Arizona. Fittingly, the site of last year's Super Bowl. And it won't just be Jake and I, a cast of characters from the entire Denver Sports Digital team will join us throughout the show. And we will start with none other than our guy, DMac doing extra
0: duty tonight. It's great to be with you guys. Um, Plenty of interesting storylines tonight, as we'll have covered at denversports.com. And I guess primarily, it's all about Russell
1: Wilson. It is all about Russ tonight, and that's where we should start because the photos are rolling in of him down in the desert, warming up on their awful, awful field, by the way. How about
0: that, huh?
2: I mean, we're getting pictures from Mace now. Mike Kliss had a video. I mean, if the turf doctor couldn't fix it for the Super Bowl, who's going to be able to? Can you imagine that they couldn't predict it was going to be hot in Arizona? (laughs) And the fact
1: that they don't give the team a place to practice... Other than the field that they tear up every day in practice, that the Broncos now have to go play on. I don't tonight. know
0: of any other major city in America that that screws up their pro sports teams more than than Arizona, Phoenix, that that entire area. Go their, off. It's team.
2: over. Their hockey team doesn't even have a rink. Their
0: basketball team doesn't play in the same arena as the hockey team. The football team in Arizona does not have a air conditioned indoor facility to practice at, except for the major stadium they own. Guys, you want to keep going? The baseball stadium, which is monolithic, is unoccupied for the vast majority of times because it's in downtown Phoenix, a place people can't get to. So despite all their spring training facilities that are wonderful, they put the baseball stadium in a place people don't want to go. You just keep going with Phoenix and how they screw things up and uh, laugh at them and uh, not feel bad.
1: But this may be the most colossal blunder. We'll get to Russ in a second because... Guys, the the center of the field tonight. I mean, Rod Mackey, who's who's now over at Channel 4, tweeted a video there was a guy filling in divots, <laughs> like he was on a golf course, fellas. I mean that that, sca- that scares me. We can laugh all
0: we want. I believe that guy in the winter works for the Tampa Bay Lightning, filling in divots on their ice. So it's a it's a two 4 Hey, be careful about that. We saw how that one last. I know no, they got they got me, but I
1: did get a free puck out of that. Yeah, that was uh, nice. And That's Nazem Kadri went off about it and then scored the game winner. So it all it all worked out for the Abs in the Stanley Cup final. Clearly, oh. wasn't too many men on the ice. No, definitely not. Mm-hmm. But but D I will ask you like. I don't want to be the Jinxie guy, but I, I just I really do hope that five uh, hours from now the uh, field is not a story.
0: Dude, if that is an issue, holy cow. And we've had slippage problems out at Dove Valley in a very, very specific part of the field. You know, it's that near field to the to the hill, like thirty yard line-esque line esque sideline, kind of where Brandon Johnson went down. An injury due to a bad field would be devastating. Devastating. Because again, Nathaniel Hackett just didn't play anybody in these games, and Sean Payne is going to. <laughs> I hate to be cruel, but it wouldn't be as devastating if it happened to a third-teamer or a guy barely making the team. I- I'm talking about one of the certified starters.
2: Well, and that's why it's good that the first-teamers are playing at the start. Obviously, they always play at the start, but you wouldn't want those first-teamers playing on a really chopped-up field in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I mean, like you, you sent it, I think, today in the, the text thread, Will. It's like you, the last thing you would want is, I mean, Randy Gregory playing more than like 15 snaps on this field. Yeah, especially you got Divot Guy at 4 o'clock out there. What are they going to send Divot Guy out there at
0: halftime? I think what's remarkable is all the starters got to start, players are players. It's all about Russell Wilson, anyways. If it wasn't for Russell Wilson and it was a veteran squad, you wouldn't need any of this. But you got to play everybody, I guess. Just so you play Russell Wilson. Because why is Randy Gregory playing?
1: Why is Zach Allen playing? Why are these guys even playing? That was an interesting note from Sean Payton this week. And I think what Sean is trying to do, fellas, is he is trying to make it clear no one is above the team. Right. I don't care that Randy Gregory has an injury history. If we're trotting them all out there preseason week one, Randy's getting trotted out there preseason week one. To some extent, though, guys, it is playing with fire. It's the, by far, the craziest,
0: riskiest move that Sean Payton has made to this point. And let's just take a deep breath and hope everybody gets through it happy and healthy, and it's not an issue. I think that's the way it will go, but you bring up the turf, and it's a bizarre wild card and a kind of an interesting decision in the first place to play all the
2: starters. Yeah, on top of the fact of the, the turf that it's football and people just get hurt doing football quite consistently. The guy that is not playing in this game, which I think probably could, is Justin Simmons. So is Justin Simmons, like, is that a guy that got special treatment, or is he actually hurt? Uh, He didn't didn't practice all
1: week. Yeah, could is is a weird term to me. I mean, the guy, he hasn't practiced since, what, last Saturday? Yeah, you don't, in general,
0: uh, you really don't play in these games unless you're able to practice up until when the game is, and Justin right. didn't even do that. I mean, out of pure conditioning football things, you'd want him to be on the field for a couple days no matter what. I don't think it's a bad injury. I think they're just being cautious. It looks like he's fine based on what we're watching with um, with the rehab process for him, so I'm not worried about it. But again, there's a lot of guys I wouldn't play tonight. I'd barely play any of the starters on defense. They don't need it. But is
1: that is that a little... Little hackety, right? We're trying, to, we're trying to bury that. We're trying to bury what happened last year. I know. We're what trying I'm... to do everything the opposite of what the worst coach in Broncos history did. You think did. Patrick Sertan needs reps tonight? I don't know if needs, but I think it's a good idea to treat 2023 exact opposite of the way 2022 was I treated. get it, but you have two other preseason games. How are you going to manage those?
0: You're, you're just seeing a lot of players ease into the preseason, rightfully so. That's not mean, That doesn't mean they're not going to play at some point in the preseason, but
2: week one or game one? Patrick Mahomes playing a quarter in the Chiefs game one. I get it. The, the, you know, different strokes for different folks. I feel like we saw this game last year. We saw Colt McCoy and the Arizona Cardinals, the bunch of second-teamers, play the banged-up Broncos second-teamers to end the season, and the Broncos won that game. So Well, that, then we
1: saw... Trace McSorley? 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 I mean, it got that bad. Cole got knocked out of that game, too. Right. We had to go all the way down to McSorley on the depth chart.
2: So, And, and the Broncos won that game 24 15. And obviously, we're not looking at the score necessarily tonight. Mm. But what are you guys actually looking for in this game to say, okay, that was a positive first Sean Payton debut, first preseason game? Clear,
0: clean communication, an effective use of being a football team. So the worst thing you could see, we already saw the worst thing, and that was in the second preseason game last year in Buffalo Mm -hmm. when that was an unmitigated disaster. Mm -hmm. So how about you just look like a football team that can get on and off the field, get the plays out, and, you know, operate effectively. As the day has gone on, I'm I'm leaning more into, hey, maybe we do need to see a touchdown out of Russell Wilson. Oh,
1: that was the word I was going to bring up. I've said it for 48 hours now, and most people I've said it to seem allergic to that word. Ah, I just want to see him get on and off the field. Like, leaning what, into what, it. what is this, James Marlath's sixth grade football team? <laughs> like, come on, let's, let's have a little higher expectations for the Denver Broncos. D-Mack, tell me why you've come around on why the first team offense needs to get a touchdown well, just, tonight. Just Something just I've been hammering the table for for two days.
0: Just because it makes a lot of more logical sense to finish off drives. You can complete third downs, you can effectively, and I see they're playing Arizona. I mean, let's just finish things, right? So is it enough just to get a couple of first downs and punt? You're probably right. Probably not. That'd be a little frustrating. They don't have to do it on the first drive, though. They don't. I'll give them three drives to to put some sort of effective drive together. But I want to see you convert third downs at some point. And I think what happened for me where I flipped the switch, when I saw Drew Locke struggle last night Mm. in a couple of drives, and then just, you know, it clicked. He got it together. And man, his first touchdown pass, he fit into a tiny window in the red zone. And I'm like,
1: all right, well, if Drew Locke can do that, then why can't Russell Wilson do that?
2: Jake, where do you check in on how important it is for the starters to score a touchdown tonight? I think it's essential because that's the reason Sean Payton is here. Nathaniel Hackett coached one of the worst offensive football teams we've seen, and I think... If Russ does not get a touchdown on the first drive, they need to send him back out there for a second drive. I think they need to check that box. And you know what? If they don't get a touchdown, per se, with those units, because I really only want to see them do two drives. We've heard 15 to 18 plays, so that could obviously be two drives. That could be five drives. Right. If it ends up being two drives or three drives and two of the three, they move the ball, get inside the 20 and don't finish it off, I'll be okay. That's some strives. But that's the Colts game.
1: Right. That, that That's the Colts game on Thursday night, getting inside the 20 and not being able to finish. So that's where I have to give you pushback, too. No, get inside the 20. I don't care. I saw them get inside the 20 time after
2: time last year. I need touchdowns. And I do find it interesting that it's going to be about 15 plays, like you said. That's about how long the script is, so to speak. So we're going to see a whole scripted thing. And last year when the Broncos really struggled is when they went off the script. The first 15 plays normally were okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited for it to play out. It'll it'll
0: happen fast. <laughs> at the end of it, we'll probably as most first preseason games leave a little unsatisfied. But we're we're having fun getting to that point and hyping it up and seeing what it is. But at the end of the day, fellas, hold on. It is just a preseason game.
1: Yeah, you can't play the first regular season game until you play the first preseason game. It's a, it's a box we have to check. Uh, I gave you this trivia question today when we did coffee break, so I will give it to Jake. All right. But I think it provides some context of preseason. Jake, we all remember who the Broncos played week one last year, the disaster in Seattle, the 64-yard field goal.
2: Do you remember who they played in week one of the preseason? Oh, gosh. That was the week I got engaged. So I was that was a 49ers. Was it 49ers? It was not. <sighs> they did not play the 49ers at all last they, year they, in the preseason. They played the 49ers this year yes. in the preseason
1: uh, you're kind of proving my point here, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but was a Dallas, year, It was. There yeah, there we go. It was the Cowboys. Well, he, I forgot the answer, and I he actually he, ran that question past <laughs> me
2: this morning. He talked about it today. <laughs> well, it was the Wait, joint eight defense. hours
1: later, you didn't remember that? <laughs> I'm
0: scarred by the Buffalo game in week two, okay. the second preseason game. I won't forget that I
1: one. I think my larger point, guys, is yes, tonight matters. No one's telling you it doesn't. But also, five years from now, you're not going to be telling your friends about where you were for Broncos-Cardinals preseason week one.
0: I always feel... I always really do love preseason, though, because the stories about guys trying to make the team, to me, are always incredibly compelling. And I think about um, fellas that have been with the team since April, let's say, okay? Because the season actually doesn't start in training camp, does it? It starts in the spring with OTAs, goes through the summer, they take a six-week pause, and then now. But these guys really have been around each other. They develop friendships, relationships. They do feel like they're part of the team. How could you not, being around the team since April, well, the rubber's about to meet the road for a lot of those dudes. And I do find those stories really interesting. So I'm always pretty engaged in Broncos preseason games, even late in the game. I don't care about these games. I don't care about these dudes. But you start to have an affinity for guys that, you know, you see fighting out there. Like, I really, I've been impressed by Montrell Washington and Taylor Grimes.
2: I am curious to watch those guys out there. That intrigues me tonight. Yeah, well, and even if Montrell Washington doesn't make the roster... He seems like he is going to be an impact practice squad player for the Broncos this year. That would be a step back, but I guess it's better than not having a job at all, right? right? Kendall Hinton was a practice squad player at, at for a time last year even.
1: Yes, but Montreal Washington was drafted in the fifth round to be their answer at punt returner. So to go from, hey, you were the rookie who got trotted out there every time to fail so spectacularly that you
2: don't make the 53 the next year, that's a step back. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple nods to Sean Payton liking his roster building a little bit more than George Payton's roster building, and I think that's what Albert Okawaben on being the fifth-string tight end was. The Albert o story tonight is absolutely beyond fascinating. Does this guy even have a passion
0: for football? There he is all of a sudden on kickoff return duty in special teams during training camp. Uh-huh. Holy cow, how the mighty have somewhat fallen. And then when the depth chart comes out, I get it. It's in pencil, not pen. But, dude, when you're last, I mean, when you're behind some dude named Nate Atkins,
1: can you guys tell me anything about Nate Atkins? No, he's an undrafted college kid. I couldn't tell you where he went to school. So there, there you go. all due respect to Nate Atkins, that was the biggest shocker of the depth chart. Uh, totally. Um,
0: Yes. Yes, that was the biggest one. Also surprising to me was Jaleel McLaughlin kind of being down the line. But maybe that's just a rookie sort of thing, and I'm not going to look that— you know, intensely into it. But Albert O, I mean, a guy, a draft pick, a dude behind Nate Atkins. And don't forget, you can do this or that. It was Kareem slash Caden Stearns. You can do it. You know, we got a fullback. He's rated right at the top. You could have put Albert O... With Nate Atkins I guess you could have put a slash between those guys But they didn't That almost would have drawn more attention to it <laughs> Well, I, might have made it I, I think there's, I, I think the message Is small With Troutman over Dulcich for number one I think that's actually really small Negligible I think where they
1: stuck Albert O Is I mean I think it's significant While we're on Albert O I mean Jake how, how hot is his Roster spot right now like, I, like I, I believe
2: today, if they had to make the cuts, he wouldn't make the team. Yeah, I don't—how hot is his roster spot? It's cold. He doesn't have a roster spot. I, I, I think it's going to be very hard for him to work his way onto the roster. He was pretty much inactive the entire season last year. He was. Year. And obviously, what is really weird about this is a bunch of different, really smart football people— have had wildly different interpretations of if Albert O can play football. Like, I don't think Nathaniel Hack was a great head coach, but he's obviously in the NFL for a reason, and his quarterback was pretty good before he came to Denver. And then Jerry Rosberg has a completely different interpretation, even going back to Vic Fangio in that offense. And 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 Shermer, they had a complete, they thought Albert O was good. Now we're in a situation again where Sean Payton's like, what is this guy going to do for me? So it, it's just bizarre to me. I don't know if it's a scheme thing or if it's a loving football thing or whatever. But some guys see it. They go, "Oh, this six eight guy you can catch. He's he's going to be awesome." He's not six eight, but I, I know what you are like saying. Six eight to me, I'm five four. <laughs> Everyone's six eight to me, Will. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's it's so fascinating that everyone can have such a different interpretation. But yeah, I, unless he does something very special tonight, I think he's going to end up being one of the first cuts. The Broncos last year could carry. Four tight
0: ends because Andrew Beck was an H-back fullback sort of dude. Well, they made a change this year. Mm. There's a legitimate fullback. His name is Michael Burton. And, man, he has had some impressive moments in training camp because he's a very capable pass catcher. Nine years of NFL experience, including some with Sean Payton. So, again, you're going to keep four tight ends and Michael Burton? I'm telling you, this guy Michael Burton, the fullback, he's making the team.
1: Yes. Period. Roster spot locked up. I would agree with
2: that. Locked up. No doubts about it. Especially for the personnel, it looks like they're going to be running. He makes a lot of sense. So why would you need a fourth tight end? Let alone a fifth.
0: You wouldn't. A fifth. A fifth is ridiculous. So you got Manhurst, Dulcich, and Troutman. Troutman is kind of do-it-all. Uh, Dulcich is more of a pass catcher. Manhurst, if he catches two balls, yeah. they probably bounced off somebody else and landed in his hand. <laughs> He's a blocker. So you've got the roles figured out, and then you've
1: got Michael Burton who can do all those fullback sort of things. So what you're telling me is, as we sit here today on August 11th, about an hour and a half from the Broncos' first preseason game, Albert O's chances of making this roster are are very slim, if I'm hearing you correctly. He's got to
0: do something special that nobody else could do, and I've seen a couple of packages where Dulcich and Albert O are out on the field together, and you know what? That is a problem. That is a problem for teams. What are you going to do? Are you just going to assume they can't block? Who's going to cover them if both go out? What are you going to do in the red zone? I mean, it does create a problem. But that's kind of it, guys, and I don't know if that's enough to, to keep them on the team. He, and, and, guys, they put him out on a uh, 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 kickoff uh, return on special teams. Alberto was stuck on kickoff return return Mm. not not kick off you know we're
1: tackling the dude we're we're blocking for a dude Kickoff return. Well, in kickoff return, last time I checked, you're trying to block people. Correct. And Alberto is not a good blocker.
0: <laughs> it would make way more sense if he was running down to try to tackle somebody. Right. But even that would be pretty lousy for him too. All
1: right, we've established him, uh, D Mac. Where else do your does your mind go tonight? I know you've mentioned McLaughlin and Grimes. I think they're both fascinating because I do think even though McLaughlin was five on the depth chart. I think the number three running back position is wide open on this team. I mean, Tyler Beatty and Tony Jones, neither of them has stood out in camp like, oh yeah, they got a roster spot locked up. I still remain so con- concerned about Javante
0: Williams, and I know I've seen him break through holes and look pretty good, and I, I cannot escape what we went through with Jamal Murray with somewhat of a similar injury and what it took for him to come back. It just seems so... Bizarrely radical to me that Javante Williams would be good to go when we saw what Jamal went through. And Williams is a
2: year quicker in this recovery than Murray was when we first saw Murray return to action. It's mind blowing, right? So I can't. can't. Hey, think about this. Cortland Sutton is just starting to finally look like Cortland Sutton again.
0: Cortland Sutton looks like D.K. Metcalf. He looks like the Incredible Hulk. He looks like a
1: totally new person. But it took him that long. It took three years since the initial injury. That's right. Because you're right. right. He tore it in September of 2020, and in August of 2023, he finally looks like himself. And Sutton
0: talked about he couldn't do the same thing over and over. It's the definition of insanity. He used that line. So we changed everything. And, yes, that's a great point. Look how long it's taken to get back. Now, here's the good news. Dude is back. Dude is back probably stronger than he's ever been before in his life. And you can tell it on the field to where it's like, wait a second. I thought Judy was going to be the most dangerous guy out there. I thought Cortland Sutton might have been the fourth receiver on this team. So forget that. I mean, we're about to see,
1: I think, some pretty remarkable things from Cortland Sutton. Well, it does feel like they may have gotten lucky that no one bid on the Cortland Sutton trade i think that might be a gargantuan
0: bullet that was dodged yeah but i couldn't predict he would come back with (laughs) arms the size of texas Mm. i mean i didn't know that was happening did anybody know that
2: he was going through this incredible transformation And, and you know the thing with sutton too is we all know he had a bad year last year he only had two touchdowns very underwhelming but he still had 64 catches for 829 yards with a quarterback who we all thought was awful So, like, even statistically, like, we, none of us, he didn't pass the eye test. But the stats show he was okay. He was serviceable. So now we're saying, okay, now this guy looks like he's in form. The quarterback is better. We know the scheme is going to be better. Sutton's almost a shoe-in for a 1,000-yard season. Totally agree. I think he's going to get 90 catches, 1,100
0: yards, something like that. In a 100-catch season, six catches per game, I don't think it's crazy.
1: It's been a while, it's been a minute Once since we had that here. He had seventy two. He had seventy two in a sixteen game
2: season. So I mean, well, he, he he could get there.
1: He could he could. And I see what you're saying, Jacob. Like his his stats weren't that bad last year. When you read them off, they weren't. But it was the eye test. I mean, he just didn't look like the eye test of Sutton in nineteen versus Sutton in twenty twenty two. was night and day. His athleticism, D had just been robbed from him. Yeah. So why does he need to play tonight? <laughs>
0: he doesn't for for the re- but the reason he does have to play the reason they all have to play
1: is cuz Russ has to play correct and with that give us give us a prediction for Russ tonight is he going to look like cuz it's pretty it's pretty simple is he going to look like first week of camp russ which was borderline unwatchable yeah or second week of camp russ which had some people whispering including myself I'm seeing a little Seattle rust. They were pressing him so hard to just get rid of the ball in the first few days of training
0: camp. It was happening out there. That's how he was being coached, and he was struggling with it. That got better. Justin Simmons was out. That gave him more confidence. What are we going to see? How about five of eight for 65 yards and a touchdown? And a
1: touchdown. I was
0: hoping you would get that. And, and I of of those five completions... Give me a couple of just easy, you know, like it's a virtual handoff, okay? Give me a one out that's a pretty cool catch, give me a play action down the field, okay? and we'll see. Maybe you can have a Drew Locke moment and throw it in a small window in the red zone for a touchdown. Oh, you had to go there. But you watch every NFL preseason game, guys. Jordan Love led his team to a touchdown. I mean, there's
2: other quarterbacks out there in the world that can lead teams to touchdowns in preseason games. It's not that hard. We saw Chad Henney lead the Chiefs down the field in the playoff game. It it, it happens. Um, And I think this is right, and I just had to look this up because I was trying to rack my brain around it. I don't think Russ has played in the preseason since 2019. That wouldn't shock me. I mean, 2020, there was no preseason because of COVID. 21, it was 10th here in Seattle, and 22 was Camp Comfort with Hackett. Yeah, but, like, that's kind of, you know, it's a different preparation for a season. And, by the way, what did he do in 2019? He I have almost, no idea. He almost won the MVP. Oh, that was I think weird. in the preseason. No, 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 okay. no, 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 But I like that's 2019,
0: what he had one of the best years of his career. Right. 2020 was shaping up until the end of the season. And then in the last like four or five games, it just sort of went downhill, including a disastrous playoff game too. And that's where everybody thought, well, if you look at the demise, just throwing it out there of Russell Wilson, starting the last few games of the 2020 season, on the surface, it looks like a great year. But look at those last few games. And that eventually led to... Where we are now. Right. So it's not been like just last season, fellas. It's not. Right. You've got to be fair on this. It's not been just one year of a horror show. There's been a slide. But again, you're in better shape. You got a great coach. Maybe this is the spot. Your receivers look amazing. At least your two primary guys do. You're supported nicely. And you know they're going to have either a run-first element or... Hey, we're going to be careful with where we're going with our passes. And I'm not, I'm not going to agree with Mark about saying it's dumbed down. Like I said with Justin, it's like the founder of McDonald's. You go there, hamburgers, french fries, sodas. Like we don't have to make this overly complicated. We're going to serve hamburgers, fries, and sodas because it's 87% of our business. So let's founder
1: this thing up with Russell Wilson. Hamburgers fries soda. We are about ninety minutes away from kickoff down in the desert in Glendale. Uh we're not really we're not really gonna get inactives because you don't really get inactives for a preseason. But guys, we should get a report in the next few minutes, maybe the next half hour. Will Javante play or won't he play? Uh your gut on that real quick, D Will not play. Be stupid. No need for it. Don't play Javante. So a lot of Samaje with that first team tonight? Sure. You know you know what's funny about Samaje, guys? He wears twenty five. And he can hold mm. on to the football. It's such a refreshing change of uh-huh.
0: pace. Well, he said, "What do you say about himself? I'm, I'm, I'm not nothing special. I don't do anything wow. special. You're
2: more special than the last dude that wore 25. His fire. beard is special. I'll tell you that. The Will Wheelhouse of Denver sports scars is just so simple. It's, it's anything with that particular person who I'm not even allowed to mention his name because I know it hurts you to oh, hear yeah, his yeah, name. Oh, Melvin, Melvin Gordon, Gordon. Yes. Okay. He's world champion, again! world champion, um, Melvin Gordon, <laughs> the 2007 Boston Red Sox. Yeah, that that one, yeah, that yeah, one hurts. And then the 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 third to complete the trifecta of Denver sports scars for you, I guess Vegas Vegas got kind of pushed away. But the third one is the Joe Flacco throw.
1: Yeah, I mean Raheem or Joe Flacco. Yeah, Wait, hold on a second. But, but you're you're, mis- you're missing Nolan Arenado. You're missing Carmelo But Anthony, like these are like the some top three. But Jake, what about when Colorado Academy beat Kenton uh, Water? <laughs> All right, on that note, we are going to let Mac call it a night, a hard-working man. Enjoy the game tonight. You looking forward to it? I am, I am, and I might be joining Cecil afterwards. All right. I might not. We'll see where the night takes us. Well, either way, watch Denver Sports' uh, social platforms for our digital postgame show with Cecil Lammy and hopefully Mac Coming up on the other side, though, Andrew Mason. He's got five guys to watch tonight. We'll go through them one by one.
0: of the Broncos preseason opener with the Cardinals. It's Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The
1: Fan. Yeah, you can sense kickoff starting to get closer. We're about 87 minutes from kick if you're listening in real time. He's Jake Shapiro. I'm Will Peterson. We will be with you until 8 o'clock tonight. We will be joined by James Merillat in the 7 o'clock hour as well as Andrew Mason live from State Farm Stadium in Glendale, as we approach kick, eagerly awaiting to see who comes out in, uh, I guess, a track suit, Jake? I and hope, who comes out in pads? Yeah, I hope Mace doesn't melt, man. So hot down there? <laughs> so hot. But he's he's in the AC now. He did tweet that he's in the AC, and last I checked, he's eating tacos. So he is a happy camper. <laughs> it sounds very Andrew Mason-like. Air conditioning tacos, man. I don't know who's complaining about that life. That's a great Friday night. And some football now, too. Yeah, exactly. But Mace did have this piece of DenverSports.com that I want to run through. With you again, we're monitoring who's playing and who isn't. We will bring that to you as soon as we know. Um, but let's start with his five guys to watch. And and Jake, there, there's no other way to slice it. His first one is the the darling, or one of the two darlings, I guess, of training camp so far. There's always that training camp darling, uh, running ba- running back Jaleel McLaughlin, undrafted rookie. He's ripped off a lot of explosive runs. Do you buy into the hype that Jaleel uh, could be the third running back on this team?
2: Yeah, I do. Because it's a, a little similar to the Phil Lindsay situation with me. This guy proved it over and over again every time he's been on a football field. He's the all-time leading rusher in college football history. Mm. Like, he, he did that at Youngstown State. But the reason well, the why... the COVID season, I think. Yeah. But, but we're not trying to sell him short. That's remarkable. He, he, he had an unbelievable career in college. He's been a great uh, player every time he's taken the field. But he's not projectable, so to speak, to the NFL because he's 5'7". Yeah. Phil Lindsay was not projectable to the NFL. I don't know what his official listed height was, Will, but I, I said last night, I'm 5'4". Phil lived in the dorms with me at CU. Phil was like 5'6", five 5'7", five max. Phil had like two inches on yeah, you. Yeah, Phil was not tall. Okay. Phil, Phil was Phil was about as big as Jose Altuve. Why do you think Phil's hair was so high? Right. It, it helped him look taller. Exactly. Yeah. So... I love these guys, especially in the preseason and when teams take chances on them because it's like, you know what? Our scouts aren't talking about him, but like maybe we see something here because he has produced at every single level. And this is a guy, given the chance, may be able to produce. And looking at the Broncos running back room, there's two guys I'm excited about. And then the third guy could be anybody. Yeah, obviously you're talking about Williams and P. Ryan and then it's sort of
1: wide open. Yeah. And let's be honest, Jake. They have not signed a veteran back. They let Kareem Hunt take the visits to New Orleans and then the bizarre twist where he went to Indy. They've been whispered about Dalvin Cook, but we've never heard about a visit. Maybe they like McLaughlin so
2: much, they're like, we don't need to add another vet to this room because we have our third guy in McLaughlin. And there was a time where we thought the Broncos might spend on Saquon Barkley this offseason.
1: There's been rumors about Josh Jacobs. You're right. right. There has been big name backs linked to the Broncos. But none have come to fruition yet because, with all due respect to P. Ryan, he was a nice piece. He came over from a really good team, but he was clearly
2: the number two behind Joe Mixon. And this isn't to say anything about Reggie Bush, who's one of my favorite running backs of all time, or Mark Ingram or Alvin Kamara, who had great careers. Those guys were really talented and had good college careers as well. But Sean Payton has had. Good rushing attacks with just about whoever has been his running back in New Orleans. So it gives me confidence that if this guy's still hanging around after this week and he makes it through the first round of cuts, he might be able to be a guy that like has like a sneaky 800yard season if he were to be the first teamer, you know it, like at that pace. Um, so obviously like Reiner. Yeah, yeah. Like if he hung around, he'd, he'd be one of those guys. But if he is in, if you are in Denver's backfield you have a chance to have a really good Pro Bowl level offseason or a season because of Sean Payton's scheme. Yeah, it reminds me of Mike Shanahan, man. I mean, it's the most famous example. Every single year
1: was a new guy, whether it was Quentin Griffin or Mike Anderson or Tatum Bell or Mike Bell or Clinton Portis. Whoever Mike plugged in was good for 1,000 yards almost every year.
2: And the only difference here is like Kamara, like Ingram, like with a couple of years of Reggie Bush, I think Javante Williams is a special guy that does above and beyond what you would expect out of him. And if he is healthy, it's a guy, okay, we want to keep him around.
1: Yes, keep McLaughlin in your back pocket, mate says, watch him tonight. Next one on his, on his list is Albert O, who you and I, of course, talked about a little bit with Mac in the first segment. And, and I think we're all on the same page. All three of us were. Albert O's chances of making the roster today on August 11th are not very good. If he's special tonight, and special in San Fran, and special against the Rams in two weeks, maybe, it's a maybe,
2: but he has to be special. I'm talking multiple touchdowns in the preseason to make the 53. He has to win the battle for the fourth tight end spot? And probably win the battle for the third tight end spot. Exactly. Are they even going to keep four? We we hinted at that a little bit. And how many times do you have one pass catching tight end, one guy who kind of does it all as your second, and then your third string tight end is really just another lineman? So Albert O has to do some real extraordinary things to be a pass catching tight end that is your third string tight end. And I don't know that it's going to happen. And ultimately, I think we might be looking back at this situation with Albert Okawabanon as another George Payton miss in the draft. This was a fourth-round pick, Will.
1: And he was taken in large part because of his chemistry with Drew Locke at Missouri. Yeah. And obviously, Drew Locke's no longer here, so there's there's no connection to why
2: Albert O got drafted here anymore. That man plays in Seattle. The only reason that Albert Okawabanon is probably still on the roster is... George Payton is still on the Broncos.
1: Perhaps. I mean, but that that could change in, in 17
2: days when cuts come in. And George could change in the next couple months. Yeah,
1: I, I don't think he'd get fired in season. But I but I think I think come January, if, if the Broncos don't make the playoffs and they need a scapegoat, obviously George Payton and Russell Wilson are the top two guys on the list. That's what I mean. And
2: it's August, so that's four months from now.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. Football Five. season is unfortunately yeah. short.
2: Um, Did I do math right? Yeah, eh, that is math. Augustus. You're in the ballpark. Yeah, yeah. It's not a couple months. Couple's two. It's like half a year. Few is three to nine. A couple a couple can be, I thought a couple could be two or three, and a few could also be two or three. A couple's two. A few Let's is two. two to three. Several is three to seven. There is your math language uh, lesson of verbiage.
1: Okay. Well, then you're, you should have, in your terms, you should have said, several. George Payton
2: may not be on this team in several yeah, months. There
1: yeah. we go. We're getting into the technicalities as we take you up to Broncos and Cardinals preseason game one. Talking about Andrew Mason's five players to watch tonight, his third one is Nick Benito, Jake. I mean, listen, man, Nick Benito last year was a a ghost. He did nothing of note in his rookie year. The Broncos' top draft pick of, again, a draft. They had to give up a lot of capital to get Russell Wilson. But, man, it's been encouraging to see how good Nick Benito has looked in camp. Now we need to see that translate over to a game.
2: I'm willing to give any single rookie in the NFL, including top five picks, a bad rookie year. It is just so different making that adjustment from high school to college and then college to the NFL. Those are huge stepping stones. The reality of the situation is Nick Benito just used his, all right, give me year with Jake Shapiro. If Nick Benito does not prove it this year, that will be a big bust for the Broncos. And he has started to prove it in this training camp. And tonight, I think, is a chance to prove it in a game where he can actually hit somebody instead of, oh, did Russ actually escape that tackle or not? Oh, he's scrambling now type deal, you know? It is key for
1: Nick Benito to get sacks tonight, turn that great camp into production. I couldn't agree more with you. And finally, to close this list out, we have the kickers. We have Brett Maher and Elliot Fry. I'm telling you, Jake, I've watched the two with my own eyes. And Brett Maher looks like your buddy when you play golf who hits it 320 down the middle every time because he's got a cannon. And Elliot Fry looks like your buddy. The fairway's 210 out, and there's a river there, and you're hoping he gets over that river. <laughs> Elliot's got a little flutter to his kicks. Maher's are lasers. I'll be watching them tonight, but I also got to be honest, I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised that it's still a kicking competition because with my own two eyes, Maher has won it. But we all know the reason. He's got to show it in a game after what happened, the disaster in the playoffs last year against the Buccaneers when he missed the four extra points.
2: I think that's part of the reason. I also think strategically when you're managing the roster, there's no point to not occupying all your roster spots until the last moment that you don't have to occupy those roster spots, meaning it's smart to keep that second kicker around if your first kicker gets hurt because at least you have somebody in the building that can maybe do the job. So I think Brett's probably won this competition already, but Elliott's there for insurance till the very last moment in which they need to make the cuts at the roster.
1: How do you think, I mean, I assume tonight it'll be like, okay, we get a touchdown, Maher, you go out there. We get a second touchdown, Fry, you go out there. It's one of the only positions tonight that will sort of rotate back and forth would be my guess. I think in a perfect world, Sean Payton would love to get them both a PAT and get both of them a field goal.
2: Yeah, I think it would be great to see both of them try to kick something from between 35 and 50 yards. Especially Maher. That's sort of the head case range that
1: we know he's got the boomer leg. I mean, the guy has a 60-yard-plus field goal in every season of his career. It's the
2: ability to make the chip shot, if you will. And, And I wouldn't call 35 to 50 a chip shot, but I think, Will, in my mind, the guy who can consistently make from 35 to 50, those are the guys that are elite kickers in the NFL. Everyone in the NFL can make from under 35. Only a few rare ones can make it 50 plus consistently, but 35 to 50, you're feeling pretty confident if your kicker can do that consistently.
1: Yeah, that's the money zone without a doubt. I do want to say one thing, and it's my fault too, because I didn't correct you, but a lot of textures chiming in. We do have to correct it. John Elway drafted Alberto. That was John Elway's mm. last draft, 2020. George Payton's first draft was 21. I apologize. I do that all the time. The COVID
2: bubble year yeah, no, really screwed with my brain.
1: I just wanted to make sure we got it right because. Honestly, it makes your point even stronger, Jake. They're even less removed Correct. connected to Albert O because it's not even Peyton who's still in the building and could maybe tell Sean Peyton, oh, please, please keep him. It's a guy who's not even getting paid anymore to be a consultant. I think that makes it almost all that much easier for them to move on from Alberto.
2: Yeah, there's, there's no real reason to keep him around unless his performance is good, which will speak volumes if Albert O is on this roster to how well he is performing because everything in the world is saying this guy is going to get cut. All right, coming
1: up on the other side, we've got new video coming out of Glendale in the last six minutes. And I got to tell you guys, the field is already torn to shreds just because of warm-ups.
0: Taking you up to kickoff of the Broncos preseason opener with the Cardinals,
1: it's Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. The Ramoslaw.com text line is 303-713-1043. If you want to join the conversation Jake Shapiro, Will Peterson, taking you up till kickoff. James Merillat will hop on at 7.15. Andrew Mason around 7.40. Whole cast of Denver Sports bringing you all the coverage you need from Glendale and the coverage that is catching my eye right now. Jake, Ariel Orsuto for 9 News, who will be on the sidelines tonight, just tweeted a video. You can go to my Twitter at Peterson Will. I've quote tweeted it. She says, this field is toast. And we're still 90 minutes from kickoff. You've seen the, the video, Jake. Uh, I joked that there was a guy filling divots earlier in the day, which there actually was, like he was on a golf course. And, I mean, Jake, I'm, I'm we're doing radio, I get it. But the, the field is shredded. I mean, there is chunks of grass all over the five-yard line as these guys, every time they plant the cleat, the... the, the the turf monster
2: just comes up and all the turf is just gone. No wonder there's so many divots. I was trying to find this video of a field that you're talking about, but all I see is a video of, of a beach. It looks like it, it looks like a beach, Will. Because like it, it looks like seaweed almost? It looks like sand and seaweed. It's just like all chunky and up and down, like there's no solid surface. It looks like it looks like the scene in Top Gun. Where they're the new Top Gun Maverick where they're playing football against football and they're running in the sand. Like this is literally gonna be running in sand nearly more than it's gonna be running on a pristine field.
1: Well, and I told you in dmac to start the show, I really hope that come eleven o'clock tonight the field is not a story. But to see a video like this, this is unacceptable. I've seen I've seen high school fields that are better and it's really, really concerning. And I'm I'm hoping so, but I mean, Jake, let's call it what it is. Marlon Mack, who we all know, played for the Broncos last year. He just tore his Achilles up on this exact field earlier this week because he signed with the Cardinals, and like two days in, this field that, by the way, if you're just tuning in, the Arizona Cardinals also practice on, cost someone their season, and it will be such a shame. Either team. I don't care if it's a Bronco or a Cardinal. If someone loses significant amount of their 2023 tonight because they didn't have
2: a plan to get this field ready to go. I want to put this in context because we all know Arizona is hot, but due to the climate down there right now, the the summer that they've had, it has not rained in Phoenix in 141 days. And there are pictures of saguaro cactuses, those beautiful cactuses that are hundreds of years old, literally falling down because they don't have enough water to support themselves. So Phoenix, yes, obviously they have a sprinkler system and they're trying to maintain this field, but the reality of the situation is it's 120 degrees every single day. And because the urban heat island effect, little phrase there, um, and I lived in Phoenix for like five months, um, it, it doesn't cool down at night, Will. It's like 95 degrees at night. So it's never not so it's scorching hot. So just putting that into context, it's not like grass is supposed to grow in that temperature. There's a reason why it's desert sand everywhere. So that's why the field looks underneath that grass like desert sand. Well, then they need to go to some sort of artificial
1: surface. Correct. I mean, it's just unacceptable that they, that you can just explain that to me in 90 seconds, yet the geniuses managing the field, who, by the way, screwed it up in the Super Bowl, and everyone was slipping down there, and that was a huge story between the Chiefs and Eagles, that someone in that organization can't say, you know what, it's too hot down here, we're done on, playing on grass. We'll, we'll just play on some sort of synthetic turf.
2: Yeah, and, and it's funny because when they built that stadium, it's about 20 years ago now, It was such a big deal, if you remember it, that they had this retractable field that was going to grow outside in the sun and it was going to be natural grass in the dome. And, Will, I am 100% behind the players' efforts to build these new stadiums with natural grass grass because I do believe them when they say it has a cumulative injury effect I believe what the players are saying and there have been studies done that show youth soccer goalies are at a higher risk of cancer due to the materials in the turf so I'm 100% for playing on grass fields that being said this is not an environment conducive to playing on grass field. And you've already talked about Marilyn Mack. It may have changed, the, Mac, Mac. Mac. It may have changed the outcome of the Super Bowl last year. Yep. What more do we need? And God forbid this, this affect the Broncos this year. It, it would be awful tonight. Like you said, if at 11 o'clock me or you on denversports.com is writing the story of someone has gone down with a leg injury because of this.
1: Yeah, and I just looked it up. I mean, 16 NFL stadiums have real grass. And 14 stadiums have turf, which 16 teams play on because, of course,
2: uh, the Jets and the Giants share a stadium. The Chargers and the Rams share a stadium. And this is a big deal right now in MLS, by the way. In in soccer, they're a little bit more particular about playing on natural grass. And this is actually a big issue in the women's game because they play a little bit more on artificial surfaces. But I bring this up because Lionel Messi now plays for Miami. And a lot of these stadiums also share a surface with the NFL. So they're Mm. artificial surfaces. There have been some stuff that have come out that said Messi's probably not going to play on any of these artificial surface games. So this field surface thing, while me and you are like, oh, well, we would hate for this to be something that we're talking about after the game. This is something players are talking about every single day that they go do their job. OK, but I guess my point is I, I don't really
1: care. If 16 stadiums have turf and 16 have grass, why the hell does the climate where the grass can't grow not have turf? Right. I mean, that's absurd. It's not like I'm asking for them to be the second stadium in the NFL to have to have turf. Half the league has turf, yet these—I I I won't name call. Yet these geniuses down in Arizona decided the Super Bowl was a disaster. We got seven months to come up with a new system. We don't, and now I'm watching video of that. Ariel's tweeting of divots coming up. You said it looks like a beach. I'm just, I, I don't know why I'm so fired up about this, but it ticks me off that half the stadiums in the league have turf, and yet these guys, where it's a low of 95 and a high of 120, think they can still grow grass, because they clearly can't. And if it hurts the Broncos tonight, I'm going to be one one upset fan. I, I am. I just am going to be upset. I'm telling you that much right now. It's going to be a scathing column of... You're going to have to look up the turf guy in Phoenix. Uh, But I'm not joking about it because Marlon Mack just lost maybe his career two weeks ago. No, and this isn't
2: something to joke about because we all were looking at Cortland Sutton coming into the season like he was chopped up and done. And that's all because of the ACL. We have no idea what Javante Williams is going to be. And, Will, I'm dead serious when I say this. The Denver Nuggets probably should have more than one championship right now. But they were robbed of that opportunity by Jamal Murray's knee and that health. So this is stuff... That is not just costing players millions of dollars, their career, their accomplishment, but also teams, organizations, and cities millions and tens of millions of dollars. These are serious injuries that have serious consequences for these organizations. Yeah, we'll see how it plays
1: out. I hope it's an on story. I really do. I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but again, you can go to my Twitter at PetersonWill and see this video for yourself. Uh, it, I, again, Looks like a a high school stadium that, you know, isn't well taken care of. It's just, it's it's ridiculous. They're about to play a football game on this stadium in in an hour, but that's what they're going to do. And guess what? Normally we finish around this time, but we have another hour because Broncos football is back for the first time in a long time. We'll lead you right up to kickoff here on Denver Sports Station 104.3, The Fan.